Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we are going to talk about the 2001 Robert Rodriguez movie, Spy Kids. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a six-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of a 19-year-old young lady a nine-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy and i'm finally getting that right and now like the next episode (laughs) y'all they're all gonna be at least one of them's gonna be older and i'm gonna fuck it up because (laughs) i'm that mom that doesn't know how old her children are that it's all that's all i don't know how old i am but yeah (laughs) um so I guess I'm just going to call this a Robert Rodriguez movie because he does literally everything. He produced, he directed, he wrote, he... I'm surprised he's not in it. (laughs) Because clearly what one does after doing Grindhouse films is to record a spy franchise for children. The entirety of Robert Rodriguez's career shifting into children's movies is just so I I want there to be a reason like I want him to have explicitly said why he did this and I looked and I can't find it and the only no, thing I, I can think of too. he has five kids right like a whole <laughs> fleet of children there's a whole fleet of children here and I th- <sighs> but this movie Okay, but it's it's so Robert <laughs> Rodriguez. Like. I know, I know. So I I specifically put a note in here because watching this movie brings me back to a very specific point in my life, and that was while I was in college, getting a minor in film, and that was two thousand one when this movie came when out. This movie came and out, and that was that time period for film studies was oh, yeah. it was like i don't know None the other. like renaissance for oh, yeah. film studies right it's like it's when it first kind of became even a thing mm-hmm. and when you if you wanted to go into film oh and we were, were fucking probably about it yeah going to get some amount of an education in the history of film Mm-hmm. which probably had not been much of a thing prior to that, right? Because this is when you start getting people like Quentin Tarantino coming out of there. And, like, indie films are really, like, taking off at that point, right? So this movie... very much a renaissance, yes. Just immediately transports me to that time and doing things like overanalyzing the scene (laughs) where the cop gets his ear cut off in Reservoir Dogs. I literally, literally wrote a 15-page final paper (laughs) on that scene in 2001. It was a wild time, no, when we took ourselves so fucking seriously. Now, let's be honest, some of us still take ourselves a little too fucking seriously, as evidenced by this whole made-believe Twitter TikTok war with Generation Z over side parts and mom jeans. Like, the vitriol (laughs) of the millennial women I know who are like, can't tell me that I look bad (laughs) in a side part. It's just, it's wild to me. 
how obsessed they've become over something so trivial and absolutely inconsequential. I will say that the um, laugh cry emoji, I was told that that was out like six months ago. Oh, and yeah. I did. I like, I really actively stopped myself from using it. So I'm full on into skull emoji territory, but I'm holding on to my skinny jeans and side part because I tried, I tried the middle part, but guys, I have a widow's peak. You can't middle part (laughs) widow's peak. (laughs) It's just not even possible. You look like, you look like, um, Eddie Munster if you try to side part it or something. So yeah, but I guess, um, would you say maybe technically Gen Z grew up with this kind of a movie as yes, like their children, you know, this is what they watched as kids. So, well, yeah. Cause it because I up- was firmly an adult, although I am, and you are too, elder, we're elder millennials. Yes. So my oldest was born in 2001. Okay. All right. So while she didn't specifically grow up with this movie she also kind of did it was always a thing it was always a thing in her (laughs) life right because she was born three days before the towers fell so that's very much a defining epochal moment right but that's always been that's been her entire life oh my gosh speaking of that as like a very like you know that is a moment that there's a a clearly defining pre and post what our society was as of that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking, we were talking to friends, same age as me, have kids the same age as my kids. Their kid's teacher was in preschool on (laughs) 9-11. Look, I don't think I want to hear anymore. (laughs) so there was there was this meme floating around a few weeks ago and it's still it's killing me dead i have not gotten over this woman says on twitter says she went and got carded and the dude says back to her i can see the one you're fine because clearly this this yep. millennium is now yeah. 21 years old, so it can drink, yeah. and I'm still not over that. <laughs> I'm still and not I over think... the fact that I was born in the last millennium, and why that's not hitting until now, I don't yeah. quite know. But in fact, it's hitting now. And I think it's incredibly relevant to talk about that in terms of this movie because this kind of kids movie is very different from the kind of kids movie that we grew up watching, right? Right. I I mean, maybe because it's so fantastical, like, what is it? I don't know. And, And parts of me really waffle. Like, some of this is good. And I've let my kids watch yeah. all of these movies yeah. without Same. much thought. But there's some really, mm, I don't know, <laughs> stuff in here that yeah. now that I've given it some thought, you and I are here to talk about because I have opinions. Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> this movie was trash. 
So, this movie has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I think it's, like, audience scores in the 40s. Um, And I never, it's just, I I realized as I was putting this, the notes together for this one, I never actually go and check on awards for live-action kids' movies. And I think that's because, like, they're just not well-received. No. Across the board, live-action kids' movies are not well-received. And I think... I mean, maybe it's kind of in that same um, bucket as how sci-fi movies for the longest time were never critically well-received. Like, if Children of Men had come out this year, it would be an Oscar movie. Oh, but man, because I it came out when it did. Because that's factually yeah, correct, I right? think. But because it came out when it did, nobody paid any attention no, to it. Because it was a sci-fi movie. Because it was a sci-fi movie. Right. Um... So maybe someday we'll get, like, the Children of Men equivalent to a children's movie. (laughs) Can you think of one? Like, a live-action kids' movie that would be critically acclaimed but just can't break through like it's still a kids' movie. That is not this film. Just so we're clear, that is not this film. I could think, I think maybe if it had been better executed something like the most recent version of a wrinkle in time could have done that and i think if it ever happens it'll be something like that probably you know like to get an award beyond like costume design or something or or best song to terabithia i feel did was close wasn't it that one's maybe 10 years ago now. It I think feels... it's older than that. The one with Alexis Bledel? Yeah, I think Yeah, no, that's older than 10 older years. Older than that, because <laughs> now you've said that it's with Alexis Bledel, and I am clearly <laughs> showing my age. Let's see. When was Bridge to Terabitha? It's 2007. All right, well, fine then. <laughs> but she's not in it, is she? Am I thinking of something else? What am I thinking of? There's a movie like that that she's in. What is it? Is it, oh, Talk Everlasting, I think, is the one I'm thinking of. Oh, which wasn't terrible either. But also not, I mean, I don't know. Those seem like, now that we're saying it, dramas about children. Yeah. Not necessarily kids' movies. Right. So I can't see my kids sitting down and watching a movie like Bridge to Terabitha or Tuck Everlasting until they're, like, 13. And at that point, those movies are more, like, for mid-teen girls. Mm. You know? Like, Mm. that's the tone, I guess, of them. And that's not to say, like, my son won't want to watch those. It's just that they're marketed more towards them because you put somebody like Jonathan Jackson in the movie. Like, you know, like that's that's what you're doing. You're 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 putting like a cute guy in the movie to get your audience to watch it. Exactly. Sure. A cute sixteen year old boy. Yeah, who's actually yeah. like twenty one in real life. Probably, yes. <laughs> Anyways, so I don't know. I'll be curious to see if anything like a live-action kids movie can actually break through and become like a... And I'm not... And I don't mean like big-budget, fantastical, zeitgeisty movies like Harry Potter. Harry Potter's... It's its own thing. Sure. 
it's a kids movie but it's also like an everybody movie i'm talking about a movie like spy kids that is not intended to be watched by parents or adults who aren't parents right well, I'm sure there's a whole host of film students who have watched it, though, because, like, they need to just watch everything Robert Rodriguez has ever touched. Well, because this movie is in-universe. It no? is! It's in-universe! So, oh, my God! So Danny Trejo plays Uncle Machete. <laughs> machete? How does he... It's, there's, like, a very specific way you say machete. it. Machete. Yes, machete. machete. And... Robert Rodriguez has said that it is the same character as in the full-on Machete movies. Well, there is some argument about it. He said he said it is in some places and not in other places, which I think is fine. The reality <laughs> is is that this has been full-on accepted headcanon yes. for probably well over a decade at yes. this point in time. Yep. So as far as we're concerned... These movies are all in-universe, and if you were an early Audis film student, you would be watching them for critical dissection. God. And completionism. Like, right? Completism. You have to watch it all, right? Yeah. So... (laughs) I... Somebody on Reddit has, like, actually put together... uh, The the fellow's name is Patrick Susie. On Reddit, he's put together the the movie connections in all the Tarantino and Rodriguez films. Um, oh gosh, I can't make this bigger. Trust but, a redditor to right to have too much time on his hands because <laughs> you guys, this chart we'll link it in the show notes. It's got like lines and colors. I mean. <laughs> Here it is. Okay, I can, I can zoom in on this. So this movie and all the other Spy Kids movies are technically under the Machete um, canon. And that is connected to the... Well, it's connected to Dawn from Dawn to Dawn Dusk. of the Dead. Yeah, from Dawn to Dusk, right. And obviously Machete. Right. And then also um, Grindhouse because there's... Right. But I that's think they all come back to Grindhouse. Don't but they? Machete it... is a movie within the Grindhouse. Right. Yeah. So, anyways, it's all interesting. Um, not everybody cares. <laughs> we have possibly spent too much time on this, except yeah. for the fact that we keep coming back to this. Why does Robert Rodriguez have kids movies? And you can't even say that it was like um a. Like a, a moment in time for him. Like, oh, his kids are young, so he's going to make kids movies. Because no, he, he keeps has, making kids he movies. He keeps making kids movies. Like, he'll make, a, he'll make a normal one, and then he'll make one of these. And then he'll make a normal movie. And then there'll be a shark boy and lava girl. So, I just... the, the three Spy Kids movies... Well, there's four of them. But the first three Spy Kids movies come between... From Dusk Till Dawn and The Faculty, and then the From Dusk Till Dawn sequels, and Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Sin City. Spy Kids 3 came out the same year as Once Upon a Time in Mexico. So, like, he's, like, he just drops it right in, because he, those three movies, the first three Spy Kids movies came out in 
2001, 2002, and 2003. So they like bang, bang, bang. So what got him we're out. really identifying is that he is nothing more than a dyed in the wool workaholic. Yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> and then for additional reference, Shark Boy and Lava Girl came out between Sin City and Grindhouse. God. <laughs> and then the fourth Spy Kids movie came between the two Machete movies. And he's working on a reboot, apparently, of Spy Kids. Uh-huh. And there is a um, twenty a continuation on the on Netflix. There's a cartoon, and then there's a continuation of the Shark Boy and Lava Girl world, like uh-huh. the universe, in the movie We Can Be Heroes, which is on Netflix, which he is fully involved in. <laughs> and it just came out the, like last year, end of last year. Yeah, it's actually good. My son loves it. We had to watch it like 15 times in one weekend. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish he was more explicit about why this is what he decided to do. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> we get to benefit from it. So let's talk about this movie. Oh, I have one more thing, though, to talk about in terms of, like, the effect this had on a generation. Somebody also on Reddit said that Spy Kids, or, well, the Kingsman movies is Spy Kids for adults, and now I can't see it any other way. Neither can I, actually. (laughs) And I, like, also fully on board that train. Yeah. Yeah. It's the natural evolution of people who grew up watching this movie. So that leads me into my first point, actually. Why do we romanticize spies? I cannot, I mean, and and we have a long tradition going Mm -hmm. back to, like, Ludlum and Clancy and Clavel. Like, we have been romanticizing spies since Spies existed, mm-hmm. and I can't figure out why. I think my guess is because they operate outside of society's rules. I find that to be an acceptable analysis. So it's like a very fantastical um, fantasy to have. And it does seem to be almost universal. So it's the idea that these people don't have to play by the rules, mm-hmm. don't have to go to school, because that's mm-hmm. the first thing Carmen and Junie point out when they're on the run, we're going to be late for school, Yep. right? Yeah. It's, it's always a little bit outside the edge of acceptable. Right. So I'm currently watching through The Americans, which is about... Mm. Russian Mm -hmm. spies in the 80s in the United States. And, like, even in that, you know, you have, I I guess that's considered a more realistic, like, spy story. It's not Mm -hmm. based on anything realistic, but, like, it's presented in a more realistic way. Um, But even in that, you have two people who own, like, a travel agency, but they don't ever actually do any travel Travel agency work. I, I confess that I gave up on the Americans somewhere in the middle of the first season because it was just so, I don't know what it was for me. Because usually I dig spy stuff, but there also has to be some other place we're going. 
Yeah. Well, so in the past year, I've sort of run out of those shows that everybody talks about that I haven't seen yet. Like, I've caught up on all of them. I know. Um, And I always have to have something. I'm just one of those people I need something on in the background while I'm working. Um, And so I usually, like, I'll give a show a couple of episodes before I decide it's one of those shows. This is the show that will be on in the background while I'm working. And that's what The Americans is right now. So it's not getting my full attention. I recently a very involved Facebook thread where I asked, please to name me a sci-fi show that I haven't seen. 250 comments later, I had a list of like six or seven things that yeah. I, and some of them were going back away. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I feel you. I am at this point now mm-hmm. where I'm just like, so I rewatched Fringe because I only have six or seven new things and I better save them. All right. So, where do we so, want to start with this one? I think we have to start with this familial relationship. Okay. It's supposedly egalitarian. Yeah. But is in point of fact not at all. It's yeah. So you fi- you think okay, you're going into this. These are two people who were equally successful and equally chose to get out of the successful business that they were in and raise a family. So you're expecting to see like a very 50-50 interaction between these two adults. And you do not. You do not. The mom is responsible for school meetings and sits at her fancy desk is a Uh, makeup. makeup. (laughs) Like when she's typing on her makeup. Oh my God. I went just holy shit. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and Gregorio is hiding shit from her, mm-hmm. lying to her, is downright condescending and patronizing when she says, I want to go. And he says, oh, I don't think you can. We decided that you'd stay home with the kids. I yeah. went, what year was this movie made yeah. again? Right. Yeah. I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was so much like ability to not have that be the, so the norm and the maxim. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I realize and like part of this is Latino family values and that is very evident. Oh, so like presenting a more traditional like nuclear family. Yes. Latino traditional nuclear family, considering that is where I live. And the place that I call home, I can say that those values are still plenty evident in 2021. But we could have gone another way. Mm-hmm. And I Especially think... when you, t- you make the choice to present such a strong female <clears throat> character from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, you do so much more of a disservice by then taking her out of that and throwing her into that stereotypical wife role, right? If we're going to get back to the oh-so-glorious film analysis stage, the raging feminist in me has always objected to this in Robert's films because they appear to be strong, empowered Mm -hmm. women, but in fact... They need to be rescued. They regularly need to be rescued. Mm -hmm. They are regularly disempowered through sex in Mm -hmm. very stereotypical ways. 
And I don't think that's any different here, to be mm-hmm. honest. No, I would agree with you. You're right. Very astute point. I, I, I dislike it, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, the fact that the children are doing the rescuing of the parents makes it mm, a little bit better. Well, because you maybe. don't focus on the parents outside of the first 20 minutes. No, and after the first 20 minutes, they just are the parents, right? Mm-hmm. They're this cohesive non-personality kind of unit the story is not really about them which is good because if it was i would have had much stronger feelings about my children watching this for the Mm -hmm. last 20 years and then like the continuing stories like the the sequels are Mm -hmm. even less they're the parents are barely they're barely like i don't even think the fourth one they use deleted scenes okay because i don't even think um uh the main female character. I can't think of Carla her name. Cugino. I don't even think she's in the additional movies, is she? She is. Okay. But not... Barely? A lot. Barely. Yeah. Okay. Barely. And I think that's fine because we're doing We're talking about movies, the kids. Right. Obviously. So that's, that's fine. It's just that their relationship bothers me on a level of this is what we're teaching children what a functional relationship looks like and I say that with bunny rabbit ears because it's not a functional relationship Mm -hmm. so I will cease and desist (laughs) my feminist frothing at the mouth because the rest of it's honestly mm, not great but not bad so we can we can move on go ahead you had you had thoughts about warts. Oh yeah, so I completely forgot about this. I know it hit me the first time we watched it with my kid, but like I completely forgot about it until I was watching it this time. I absolutely had the exact same problem with warts all over my hands as Junie does in this movie. It is like I am still traumatized by what that does to you as like a young teen in school. Like what that does to you. You know, because it's such a visible thing. Like, you Mm -hmm. can't hide it. It's there. It's, like, right there. Um, And it likely does impact your relationships with other kids Mm -hmm. and lead to bullying and all Um, of those things because, yep. Yep. So, and then, like, even just minorly, I couldn't be on the swim team because I was always under treatment for my warts. Like, they were always being treated somehow. They just don't go away until they decide they're going to go away, basically, is what happens with them. And they don't... So, it's hard to, like... Of all the magical thinking in this movie, I can tell. This is the stuff that actually hits you the hardest. Mm -hmm. Because they just magically disappear at the end. And because Joni's not afraid anymore. Yeah, and his hands aren't sweaty. And so... You know, there is an aspect to them where they are contagious, but they're not contagious like people think they're contagious, right? And in the end, it's a virus. Mm. And your body just has to fight the virus before they will go away. And, you know, I'm saying this as somebody who went through years and years and years of the cryotherapy for them, and they just kept coming back. Um, At one point, I had it done in the dermatologist's office, and while my mom was paying for, like, the visit, doing, like, the copay afterwards, I was sitting in the waiting room, and I passed out because it hurt so much. Like, I literally passed out from the pain 
from getting this done. And, you know, as somebody who has tattoos and has given birth, that's still on my list of the most painful things I've ever had. Wow. So, I mean, it's it sucks a lot. And I would probably have been making out friends, too, if I was Junie. <laughs> it sucks. And it's I, it's like one of those parts of my childhood that I've kind of forgotten about. But then when I think back on it, I'm like, what, how could I have forgotten about that? That was like seminal. Trauma <laughs> it was. does I was that in to you. Middle school. I was a middle school girl with warts all over her hands. Do you know how horrible middle school oh, girls I are? I can imagine. They are how literally horrible. the worst creatures oh, yeah. on earth. <laughs> I say Literally, that as somebody who was the, a middle school girl. Oh at yeah, one point we in my say life. this with experience. Yes, and wisdom. Yeah. Middle school girls are literal spawns of Satan. Yes, mm-hmm. which is so mean. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's my story. I still like can't wear. I can't. No, it's fine because it's it's fine. <laughs> I still can't wear shoulder pads because it was the 90s, remember? Okay. Shoulder <laughs> yeah. pads. I have pretty bro- broad shoulders to begin with, and apparently I looked like a football player, and every <laughs> middle school girl wanted to tell me so. <laughs> it, it doesn't really compare, but I'm just saying, like, no, I no. feel... The- They'll find it. They'll find the oh, thing. Yeah. And so when your thing is that kind of thing, it's a thousand times worse. Mm-hmm. Anyways, moving on to my trauma. (laughs) But I will say, like so many of the other subjects in this film, I feel like they really hit it over the head with a mallet and then didn't do anything to make it it better or resolve (laughs) it in any way. There are so many Mm -hmm. of those things in this movie. And I'm just like... But that's also such a weirdly specific thing that I'm curious if somebody like Robert Rodriguez has like actual experience with that because it's such a weird specific thing to like have be the thing that's wrong with this kid. I do also not terribly appreciate, I mean, it's probably sort of accurate, but Junie and Carmen are very mean to each other. Why? No, it seemed like it, it felt normal Did to that me. feel legitimately normal to you? I yeah. can't. It I felt am, like a brother-sister relationship in my experience. I am significantly older than my brothers and 16 years older than my mm-hmm. sister, so I don't have a good frame of reference for what, like, three to four years difference actually yeah. feels like. Yeah, that feels normal to me. Okay, well, then I'll just accept <laughs> that kids are assholes and we yeah. should just especially at that age. deal with it, I guess. Yeah, especially okay. at that age, I would say that that's normal. I also object to physics in this film as, <laughs> like... Of the long list of objections, there are the the scene with the fucking backpacks while they're flying in tunnels. Nobody f- flies into a wall, and I object to that just on principle. Somebody should have flown into a wall. It's fine. It's fine. All right, accepted. Okay. Um, my other issue is that the floops are terrifying. Fuck yeah, they are. And all of it. The TV, the whole thing. The TV show, and it's just terrifying. The like thumbs. If that was, 
If that was actually on my TV and my kid was watching that. I would not be okay with that, to be honest. Like... It would not be allowed in my house. Mario was weird and paternalistic (laughs) about this one. I could kind of get on board with him about, like, yeah, you're right. Those things are fucking weird. Why are you letting your kid watch this shit? (laughs) Terrifying. Oh, so here's another one. When the thumbs are being built. Did you see the thumb nurse I didn't with catch tits? That. <laughs> I didn't catch that. So, <clears throat> I, as in many things, I'm starting to take issue with the fact that when we unify down to a sex, it's almost always men. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I was male rec- is the default. Male is default. I was thinking about this the entire last season of Fringe with mm-hmm. no female observers, none mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's it's kind of it reminds me of the whole like Smurfs thing. Yeah, all like, the Smurfs, one Smurf, one woman. Yeah, yeah. Same thing and, with this thumb nurse apparently. And apparently, and like so the th- it's in the scenes where the thumbs are being built, and they add the heads, and then there's a room off to the side where a thumb is getting his thumb arm installed, and it's being installed. By a nurse with tits. Okay. She's she's still got a thumb head. So where the tits come from? And it and was I'm, obviously and it was obviously a conscious choice. Oh of yeah. The creator and I'm of using the, the word tits here very deliberately. Yeah. Because that is exactly what they are. They are like breasting, breastily, boobly, boobling's <laughs> kind of. Like, so, that, like so then, to bring that up again in context with the Smurfs, when you try to think about the larger, like, realistic, like, how they came to be, mm-hmm. and then you have to, your brain has to accept the fact that the person who created them created a female specifically. But why? Why? <laughs> to... And I don't mean like the person who created them for the film. I mean, if you're going to go, if you're putting yourself into this universe and accepting that this is the way things are. So that the thumb dudes have some tits to look at. I guess so. I guess so. There's just a lot of implications, what I'm saying. There are a lot of implications and... Like, so many of the other things in this movie, I was just, I I really, like, it's such a minor, I'm not surprised that you didn't even see her at all. Because I had to go back and actually rewind several times. I'm like, does does that thumb have boobs? (laughs) No. No, she doesn't have boobs. She has, like, size Q titticles. Like, they're... (laughs) It's a wow. It's a wow. I did want to also mention, if you care about such things, like, of all of the things wrong with this movie, this is probably the least on the list for me. (laughs) But Carmen does at one point in time do that, oh, shit, 
shiitake mushrooms. Yeah. We've talked about how and, that's kind of... And we've talked about how the, the acceptable swearing and how I actually... For some parents, that's a, like... I curse like a sailor and my mm -hmm. kids hear the F word so much I can't... It, it just happens. But if you care about such things, there is a shiitake mushroom scene in this mm -hmm. film. So I just pulled up a picture of the thumb nurse. And I like that she... Not only is she boobied... Um, She's also a long red painted nail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my god. Like I can't like the thumbs in general just make me so uncomfortable, but Right, this, there was this, just so much wrong with them, but this And just one is... thinking about the the real reality of these thumbs and imply, you know, bringing a female thumb into the reality just makes me so uncomfortable. Finally, um, did I have anything else? That they're oh, dumb. Yeah, they are dumb. <laughs> like, the worst spies ever. In, in the canon of spies, these are bad, bad spies. Meaning they're bad at what they do. C yes, at, at, at spy craft in mm -hmm. particular. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, again, we're romanticizing spies, whatever. But if we're taking that as an actual craft, these guys suck at it. That's they just get by out of luck, sheer luck. Oh, it's all luck and 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 Deus ex machina, baby. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. All over the place. I think if this movie has a message in a very very heavy-handed way, it's don't lie to your family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> That's the lesson. Sure. My, my neck's okay. going to do this thing. I don't know what yeah. else to tell you. Like yeah. that, that, There's not, there's no deepness here. It's no, not, there's really, there's not. It's not this you're week. not learning lessons from this movie. No, the only lesson I learned is that Robert Rodriguez can call up all of his pals in Hollywood and say, I'm making a movie. Mm -hmm. And they'll and apparently all say, when? they don't check what the <laughs> script is first. They just say, I'm in. And then they make three more. And then and they're they all in three it. More. And then they add Bill Paxton. <laughs> there are a few additions, too. Like, yeah. the, uh, man, I just, <laughs> wow. I, wow. I got, I got nothing. I, Wow. No, I know. It's amazing to me, too. I, I. Oh, so in the same vein, last night we watched the movie Haywire. It's not a kid's movie. It's an action film. I think it was supposed to be the vehicle that made uh, Gina Carano, like, a superstar. It's from 2011. Um, it's got every... tanked her Yeah, yeah. No, this was recently? like... Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this was way before all that. This was, like, okay. supposed to be her first step out of MMA and into acting, and she was going to okay. be, like, a superstar. She was going to be, like, the female rock because of this, right? Um, she was on that trajectory, and yeah. she couldn't keep her goddamn yeah, so it's, mouth shut. It's a Soderbergh film. So Soderbergh, okay. so, uh, Ocean's so Eleven. So it's got some teeth. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's got a ton of people in it. It has Michael Fassbender. It has Ewan McGregor. Um, uh, uh, the dad from this movie, whose name just completely Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas is in it. It's chock full of people. Also, Bill Paxton. Completely full of famous people. Like, good actors. The movie is an absolute, complete 
pile of poop. It's awful. <laughs> it like my husband and I are watching this movie, right? And I'm not paying. I'm barely paying attention because I'm I'm knitting and um. I'm just listening to the dialogue and I look at him after like the first beefy scene, like, you know, like where they're just supposed to be chewing scenery in this scene. Right. And I look at him, I'm like, is it just me? Or do you feel like you're watching a monologue in like a basics of acting class? He's like, absolutely. I was waiting for you to say something. (laughs) It's awful. (laughs) It's so bad. It's so bad and apparently they had to redub her voice like all of her lines got redubbed in ADR wow that's bad <laughs> that's tell them what ADR stands for because I automated S- dialogue replacement right so it's basically you are so bad yeah. the machine does better talking than well no you they do. had a new actress do it Oh my God. So a lot of times ADR is going to be used for when you're filming an outdoor scene and the um, the noise, like the right, background they, noise is too much and you can't hear the, the actual oh, they, dialogue. Right, but they usually use the, in the actors do their own Yes, they go in and do usually. ADR after the fact. Right. right. And a lot of the times you'll see like, um, you'll see that a movie might get held up because they have more of that than that they have to do than they thought they were going to have to do because, like, it was in a particularly noisy setting or whatever. But this movie, they went in and they completely, completely re-recorded all of her dialogue. With all a of different it. actor. Every single piece of her dialogue in wow. this film. So. So, anyways, that kind of reminds me of the same kind of thing. Like, all these famous people came in because they're like, oh, I'm going to do a Soderbergh film, right? Same thing. All these famous people are like, oh, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, I'm totally going to do his film. <laughs> I'm totally going to do his movie. And it turns what? out to be Spy Kid. But at least Haywire knew enough to just be done. It's done. Like, we're not going to, this is it. This movie was terrible. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. They continued to make these movies and they continued to get not famous people to Not only did they continue them. to make them, they built them into the universe in such a way that they are now inextricably linked yeah. to, and, and, and again, not just Robert's stuff, but Tarantino. No, because they just, I mean, people may not be aware of this, but Tarantino and Rodriguez are basically like so intertwined in how they work that like there's no separating them from each other. They're just, I don't have another example of the two incestuous yeah. relationship it's just, of just Robert so... Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino's yeah. films. Let's not get too deep no, into it. No, we don't have to. But <laughs> they just know that. Just know that they're they just are together. It's just combined. And <laughs> which is so, why we have Grindhouse. Correct. But what or that four means rooms. is, in some way, Spy Kids is absolutely related to Django Unchained. Yeah. <laughs> we can't tell you exactly, precisely how, because I haven't done that map, but I'm telling you someone else on Reddit has, it exists, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> I mean, unless this was created before Django Unchained. Uh, t- 2014. So probably this one, this one doesn't include Django. It does include Shaft. Yeah, it doesn't. It stops with, what's the most recent one in here? I can't tell because it's tiny. It's so tiny. 
Because there's because t- these guys are prolific asshole fucks. That's what <laughs> I. Yeah. I have feelings about both of them. To be perfectly honest, it's fine. It's fine. Finally, <laughs> in our whole. Wow, we're going to have to rate this movie soon, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I was trying to think about that ahead of time, because I keep telling myself I need to think about it ahead of time. But no. I don't. But I never do. So (laughs) let's talk about, would the children actually do this? I think so. I think if given the tools, they certainly would try, no? I mean... If my kid could hop in a submarine that flushes his poop and says, flushing poop... He would he absolutely, absolutely would do it. At any point in time, my nine-year-old tends to be a homebody, and, and, and he, he might be reluctant to go, but if you promised him... McDonald's? Yeah, that you could just... Those pantries, because can, can, can I get one of those fridges pantries with the the instant food i want i want an instant pantry Give reminds me, me of back to pantry. the future yes the pizza with the rehydrated pizza yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're still on printing food to, it doesn't we're not even going to care that it tastes bad if it looks like a big mac and fries we're just going to be so excited about it that we'll eat that shit because mm-hmm. we already eat the big mac and fries and let's be honest, that's not really food anymore either. <laughs> okay, no no tears whatsoever in this film, mm-hmm. except for the tears I shed over the $4 I had to pay to watch it. Or the, what, 88 minutes I lost of my right, life. Right, having to watch this, because <laughs> I only watched it once. <laughs> no, we've watched it a bunch of times in this house. No, that I only consciously. I only paid attention. Watched, to I only it paid once. attention to it this one time, and I was really sorry I did, and I did it for you all. <laughs> I did it for y'all. Okay, what age? Because my kids have always, like, much in the way that we turn stuff on in the background when we're doing handcrafts or working. My kids have always kind of had these sorts of shows and movies on in the mm-hmm. background. I don't think they consciously really watch them. Although my nine-year-old does have a thing for pet stars, which I don't even want to get into how creepy the dog's mouths moving are. But whatever. That That's... He also spent most of the week watching chess shows for fun, so I can only say so much about his TV habits. But that is, this is not a, this is not one that I think kids actively watched. So my kid does and did. Okay. With all three of them, and then additionally with the um, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, and then We Can Be Heroes. He loves them. I don't know why. Um, and I kind of thought, uh, in that vein, I could tell you something that you could watch that may, if your kid likes this, Mm -hmm. something with more substance that they may also enjoy is a show called Odd Squad on PBS Kids, um, is also about spies. Uh, no, it's like but an it's, agency of kids. But if it's a PBS Kids, yeah. it might actually be, you know, slightly it educational. Feel- Energy-wise, it reminds me of this, and the chaos of it reminds me of this. And my kid loves both. He loves Odd Squad, and he loves this. And I would much prefer him watching Odd Squad, because they learn math and stuff in it. 
Well, see, there you go. That's exactly it. Like, I'm happy to... So if your kid likes this, try Odd Squad. Please try Odd Squad. It'll be much better than this. So we can guarantee it'll be much better than this. But he's what, five now? He's six. six so I now. my age range that I put in was seven or six, depending on your personal kid. Like you know your kid. Are they gonna watch this movie? You would know that. But uh common sense media says seven. See, and still at seven if it wasn't educational, my kids wanted animated stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kid definitely prefers animated, but he is starting to, especially something like this that's like action and bright. He'll sit and watch. The something colors like we tried, make a difference. I think we tried Three Ninjas, and he didn't like that as much. There's way more dialogue in it, and that's where you lose him. Mm-hmm. And people have... Longer than two sentence conversations. Oh, yeah. It's got to be quick. It's got to be mm-hmm. fast. For what it's worth, I will say that if nothing else, this is a visually compelling mm-hmm. film for children. It's, it's very put, bright. It's it, fast paced. It's, it's put together well mm-hmm. in a way that kids will like it and watch it. And I don't much care for the story, and I don't much care for the characters, and I don't much care for a lot of things, but live action for kids is hard. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and give a little bit of credit because it is, in fact, hard. Yeah. And personally, I'm going to just I'll watch this movie with my kid in the hopes that this will be the entree someday into watching <laughs> my my the thing that made me who I am, which is the 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, cinephile universe of movies. I will bring him to that someday. And I'll be like, remember Spy Kids? Remember Spy Kids? This is Here, the same watch guy. Watch Pulp Fiction. Hey, it's look, kind of it's the Uncle same. Machete. <laughs> <laughs> When he's, like, 15. Yeah, I mean, it's different for... I, 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 hate to, I hate to say that it's different, but it simply is different in the way that I am educating my boys versus the way that I educated my daughter on the things they need to know about the world. And we start a little younger with the boys on this kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it's easier to... Because they're going to watch it anyway. It's easier to mold it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's much easier for me to say, hey, I, I appreciate you've heard these things. Let me give you the actual facts mm-hmm. and point you in the right direction. Yeah. Because yep. they're boys. And, and maybe this is because my daughter is autistic. Because I certainly was a problem child of my own. But even then, guidance matters on mm-hmm. this stuff. When you very directly say, here, I get it. You got ideas. Let me, let me show you around mm-hmm. for some slightly better stuff right yep there you go and on that note wear this halloween costume or not <laughs> just don't dress up as a thumb please don't loop well whatever Floop. they're called <laughs> they're so I, terrifying i can see were probably plastic masks weren't there i, I can't can't I imagine 
that there weren't kids masks at I the time. I think it was probably more likely that they had the, like the outfits that the kids wore, like their super special spy outfits, which become more of a thing in later movies. Yes, become more of a thing in later movies. They're not super evident here, but yes. Wear the super spy kids uniforms, sure. I guess, whatever. whatever. <laughs> I love our general level of enthusiasm. And on that note, what do you mean? Am I rating it? Yeah, you I'm going to rate, rate it. it a two and a half because it solidly held my kids' attention. I. I give it a one and a half for being a movie. I give it a one and a half because George Clooney is in it. <laughs> I give it a one and a half for that bar over George Clooney's eyes at the end. That effect was of the entire movie. The only Worth thing it. that I actually really appreciated. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. So bad. Okay. It was one and a half stars bad. Okay. I'm giving it's firmly a two and a half for me. Okay. Well, yeah. This is episode forty nine. So next week, next time, why do I always say oh, no? I even changed it in the show notes to next show. And I still <laughs> say next week. Listen, you can't even get your kids' ages right. Correct. People are expecting this from you. I don't know why I should, I should be expected for... <laughs> no, I should not be expected, okay? Next show. We thought, since it is our 50th episode, we would go ahead and fish out of the trash can. We've talked about it before. Coco. We recorded it as our first demo episode to prove to ourselves that we could, in fact, do this thing. It's been two years, 50 episodes. We are now almost at 50,000 listens a month, which is just fucking mind-blowing to me, <laughs> to be honest. And we never got to do Coco, so I'd like to bring it back. Mm-hmm. So, Coco, next time. We're going to do Coco. Yes, I'm very <laughs> excited. All right. We are Latchkey Movies on Instagram, Facebook. We do actually check those accounts occasionally if you want to say hello. <laughs> please do drop by. We are latchkeymovies at gmail.com. And our phone number, if you ever want to call, we would love it if you'd call. It's 402-885-4875. If you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee or possibly offset the cost of having to rent this horrible movie, <laughs> you can do that at ko-fi.com slash briar. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.